What's up? It's your boy, Ruby Rube, coming at you from the Gathering Strength Podcast. Vietis, equitit, iundo, we gather strength as we go. I am broadcasting out of the beautiful, gorgeous, and expensive Livermore, California. You know that when you tune into my podcast, your boy Ruby Rube wants you to have that buff body, that buff mind, that buff spirit, and that buff bank. That's right. I want to see you jacked. I want your veins to have veins. Now, how do we go about accumulating all these types of strength? One of the ways is by increasing our vocabulary. I am a lover for all types of words. And in my podcast, I have a segment. I always start out every single podcast with a word of the day. Because for me, every single word that I learn... I feel that it enlightens me, broadens my horizons. And you know what? These words have potential to unlock something, to open up a door into a new realm in which you did not even know existed. That remained enshrouded in the fog, but because you took on some new knowledge, the old adage is knowledge is power, wisdom is power, the words you speak have power. So let's learn these words so that we can empower ourselves. And this is just one little thing. One tiny incremental thing that we gather along our journey in life. And it all adds up to strength. The tiniest things when accumulated over time. For example, like a little raindrop. A tiny little raindrop. It seems insignificant, but you have enough of those and let those things accumulate. Now we have a flood. Now your house is submerged underwater. Now it's carving out canyons. It's carving out, man, all, all types of things. Another little thing that adds up is, is a little grain of sand. You know, look at one little piece of sand under a microscope. And then go look at a beach. Magnificent, right? And then the little insignificant snowflake. Now say that to the avalanche as it's barreling down on you. So learning one little word has the potential to open up these doors, as I I said. It has potential to accumulate over time things that you didn't even know you were going to learn. These words unlock them for you. So... The word of the day. The word of the day is almanac. A-L-M-A-N-A-C. Almanac. Now, the definition of almanac is an annual calendar containing important dates and statistical information such as astronomical data and tide tables. Similar is a yearbook, calendar, register, annual manual handbook a handbook typically published annually containing information of general interest or on a um, or on a sport or pastime so an almanac is something that records it's you know similar to a yearbook and i'm going to be tying in this word into the meat and potatoes subject part of this podcast Now, it's important to understand that word almanac because the title of the book, The Meat and Potatoes, 
the thing you come to satiate that hunger in which only wisdom can satisfy it. Oh yeah, your boy Ruby Rube, jumping from the word of the day into the meat and potatoes. The book is titled The Almanac of Naval Ravikant. Now, who is Naval Ravikant, and why would you want to listen to that guy? Well, man, this guy knows what he's talking about. Apparently, let's see. On the back of his book, on the back of a, his book, it describes him. It says, "Naval Ravikant is an entrepreneur, philosopher, and investor who has captivated the world with his principles for building wealth and creating long-term happiness." The Almanac of Naval Ravikant is a collection of Naval's wisdoms and experience from the last 10 years, shared as a curation of his most insightful interviews and poignant reflections. This isn't a how-to book or a step-by-step gimmick. Instead, through Naval's own words, you will learn how to walk your own unique path toward a happier, wealthier life. Now, one of my aims in this podcast is to get you, the listener, exposed and introduced to people such as Naval Ravikant because there's a lot of people out there who don't know people like this exist or they feel that people like these these types of of guys are far out in the stratosphere of wealth and mindset and that guys like you and I you and me can't ever get there but When we learn these people's stories, we see that, hey, man, the people who are on top of their game, the ones who have accumulated the most, the ones who have the most clarity, they're just average Joes, too. They have just been at it for much longer. They have been exposed to higher thoughts. They have implemented better practices. And with a little bit of preparation and a little bit of luck on their side, they're able to parlay their overall being and their assets into astronomical gains. Now, there's an old adage, easy come, easy go. Everybody wants the fast track ticket to success. They want to hit that Dogecoin money. They want to hit a hot stock. They want to get some of these these stonks. They want to invest, you know, $100 and then receive a million dollars back on their $100 investment. That's the type of return on investments that a lot of people swing for the fences for. Essentially, you know, they want to give a $1 lottery ticket purchase and be rewarded with a billion dollar jackpot. But that's not how it works. Easy come, easy go. And guess what, people? If you did happen to win the lottery and you have poor financial practices and you have zero discipline and you are lazy and competent and you have no goals, you have no direction, what do you think all that money is going to do for you? Sure, yeah, you know what? It's going to be fun for a little while. You're going to have the jet skis. You're going to have the access to everything. You're going to be potentially kicking it with Justin Bieber and Kanye if that is the type of company you are set out to hang out with but give it enough time and statistically all of these lottery winners 
They all they all end up bankrupt, broke, and a lot of cases in debt. So we have to be able to manage the things that we have now so that when we do come into bigger pockets, we have the discipline, the financial intelligence and a firm foundation of the highest values and virtues. Let's see what happens if we give one of these zombie apocalyptic mental patients a million dollars. Where do you think they're going to end up in a week? What would happen if you give if you gave a, an alcoholic or a heroin addict a million dollars? Where do you think they're going to end up in a week? The heroin addict has a high probability of shooting up a little bit much too much heroin and they're probably going to overdose and die. The drunk, the alcoholic, they're going to end up face down in a gutter. So money doesn't buy you happiness. Money doesn't buy you class. If anything, it just amplifies the characteristics characteristics and personality traits that the person already embodies. So we need to work on ourselves and develop ourselves so when we do come into the land of milk and honey, we're going to know how to act. Now, I read this book a, I don't know, maybe like a year, a year and a half ago. And I go through all my books with a highlighter because I want to be able to quickly flip through a book and go to a highlighted section and the Reuben of the past took care of the Reuben in the future by highlighting this stuff. So, hey, now I can just quickly jump to the gold nuggets, to the meat and potatoes, to the brass tacks. And I don't have to waste my time sorting through all the malarkey because you know what? Not every single word in every single book is going to be of the highest value. Sometimes there's a lot of filler. There's a lot of fluff. And when you go through your books with a highlighter, it'll just take you to the most poignant, to the most profound, to the gravitas, to the heaviest parts of the book. So what I'm going to do right now, I'm going to take my book and I'm just going to shuffle to a page and see what your boy Ruby Rube found interesting. What did the Ruben of the past find interesting in this book where it compelled me to take out my highlighter and highlight that sentence? So let's see what we got. All right, here we go. Try this on for a size. So once again, this book is a collection of his interviews, his podcast, some tweets even. And once again, the almanac of Naval Ravikant. This is kind of like a yearbook for him where it's just a bunch of insightful um, excerpts from his life taken from all over the place. So right here, mira, ven aquí, listen, listen, mijo. All right, right here. It says, to have a peace of mind, you have to have peace of body first. This taught me the power of habits. I started realizing it's all about habits. At any given time, I'm either trying to pick up a good habit or discard a previous bad habit. It takes time. There's another book that I read, which is going to compound and really hammer and hone in on this little excerpt Atomic Habits by James Clear and Atomic Habits that book is all about the psychological process proven by 
uh, psychology, by science, a whole bunch of facts based on how habits are formed. I think you have the, you have the cue, the, you have the trigger, the cue, the response, and the reward. Every single time, that is how habits are formed. So Naval Ravikant is doubling down. So I heard one thing about habits from one book, and I heard another thing about habits from this book. So there's two successful guys talking about habits. So what that says to me is that, hey, Ruby Rube, you might want to take inventory of your habits because these guys who are, who are at the top of their game, these super bright, intelligent successful guys hey they're they're taking inventory of their habits and according to Naval Ravikant he says uh, this taught me the power power of habits I started realizing it's all about habits at any given time I'm either trying to pick up a good habit or discard a previous bad habit so what are the good habits that that you want to pick up we all have a better version of ourselves that we could be. When we look at ourselves five years from now, we're not. Ho- hopefully, we're not seeing the the same person. Because if you're looking at yourself five years from now and you are exactly the same, I think that that says a lot about your lack of ambition. Now we all need to have goals. Every single person. That is one of the the points of, of living. There is a word to, that perfectly describes someone that experiences zero growth. In nature, that is called stagnation. And you know who loves stagnant, stag, uh, stagnant puddles of water? Mosquitoes. Mosquitoes love stagnant water. They don't, they're, they're not going to lay their eggs in a flowing river. No, there has to be a pool of water that is stagnant. That's where the bacteria is gonna grow. That's where the mosquito are gonna lay their larvae. That's where they're gonna hatch. So if you're looking at yourself and you don't see any change three months from now, what do you what do you wanna be three months from now? What do you wanna give that future person yourself three months from now? If you don't have any goals, I'm gonna encourage you Go out and get a goal. A tiny little one. It doesn't need to be huge. But these small daily goals, they add up to big results over time. Don't take it from me. Take it from psychology. Take it from Harvard psychologists. Take it from the scientists. And take it from all the people. From Kobe Bryant to Michael Jordan to freaking and everyone. Everyone has to take on new knowledge. Here's another interesting insight, and it's going to compound on top of that Atomic Habit book. Uh, Atomic Habit book. So in this one, the Almanac of Naval Ravikant, he says, commit externally enough people. For example, if you want to quit smoking, all you have to do is go to everybody you know and say, I quit smoking. I did it. I give you my word. That's all you need to do. Go ahead, right? But most of us say we're not quite ready. We know we don't want to commit ourselves externally. It's important to be honest with yourself and say, Okay, I'm not ready to give up smoking. I like it too much. It is going to be too hard for me to give up. It goes on to say, 
Say instead, I'll set a more reasonable goal for myself. I'll cut down the following amount. I can commit to that externally. I'm going to work on that for three to six months. When I get there, I'll take the next step as opposed to beating myself up over it. When you really want to change, you just change. But most of us don't really want to change. We don't want to go through the pain just yet. At least recognize it, be aware of it, and give yourself a smaller change you can actually carry out. Now, once again, when I read stuff like this, I can pull knowledge that I gained from other books that is applicable to obtaining a clearer picture of what is being said. For example, when Naval Ravikant says, let me get to that part. Hold on. It says, commit externally to enough people. So when you go around and you tell people something like, hey, for example, um, I'm going to, I'm going to use that smoking example uh, that it lays in the book. You go up to people and you say, hey, I stopped smoking. I no longer smoke. I'm not going to smoke anymore. Now that holds you socially accountable. Now, when you say things like that to people and then they see you smoking, they're going to be like, hey, Ruben just told me that he wasn't going to smoke anymore. And there he is over there smoking. I see him smoking. Now, what is that going to do for your reputation? What is that going to do for your word? Your word is going to become diminished. Your word is going to be less valuable than if you were to have stuck to your word. If you say that you're going to lose some weight and then your people see you eating cheeseburgers and actually gaining weight, they're going to be like, man, this guy is all talk and no action. And, you know, they, they might be your friends, but they're going to look at you a little bit weird. So people hold each other accountable, not because we want to hold it to their face and hold something over them, but we share some of these things with people who we feel comfortable with because we want to be held accountable. And one of the ways to do that, to feel that pressure, is to tell some people, like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to do that. And if you don't do it, man, you're not holding up. You're not holding up yourself to your own word. And you look like a hypocrite. Nobody wants to be a hypocrite. Another example, when, when I uh, you know, put some of my, my desires out there to my own family, I was like, you know what, hey, I'm going to run a marathon. I've never ran a marathon, but I'm going to learn how to run a marathon. Now, I told that to my son. And time goes by, and I'm like, yep, son, I signed up for this marathon. Daddy's going to run a marathon. I'm going to be running a marathon, let's say September, whatever month. And then September comes, and then my son is going to be like, hey, Dad, didn't you say you were going to run a marathon? And then I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, son, about that. No, uh, Daddy quit. Daddy gave up. Daddy is not a man of his word. So I would encourage you, if you have a high and lofty goal, hey, you know what? Share it with someone who's going, who, whose um, opinion you, you hold in high regard. Yeah, just make sure that you're sharing it with someone who is going to be encouraging and 
you know, someone who's not going to be poo-pooing on your desires and your goals and your aspirations. Now, when I share that with my son, you know, I want him to look at me in high regard and be able to trust the words that come out of my mouth. Now, when I say I'm going to do something, you can take those words to the bank and I'm going to do it. So now, one, I have told my son that I'm going to do something. Now I feel that little bit of pressure, but that's going to be just enough pressure and just enough fire to where if that inkling, if that thought should manifest itself like, hey, Ruben, just, you know, you're, you're doing too much. Just give up and quit. He'll love you unconditionally. He will forgive you. But I need to look at myself in the mirror. I'm like, nah, dude, you know what? That's not how I do it. That's not the man who I want to be. And that's not the type of role model that I want to be for my son or anyone in my family. Here's another couple highlighted parts. And it's about exercise. Oh, yeah. Everybody loves exercise, right? I know your boy Ruby Rube does. And you know, I don't even consider it exercise. I have swapped out that word for training. And if I were Tupac, you know how Tupac has thug life tatted on his on his chest? Your boy Ruby Rube has train faux life. Train faux life tatted on my chest. So Naval Ravikant reads, or he writes, your boy Ru- Ruby Rube reads, the harder the workout, the easier the day. He asked the question, what habit would you say most positively impacts your life? The daily morning workout. That has been a complete changer, a game changer. It's made me healthier, younger. It's made me not go out late. It came from one simple thing, which is every, which everybody says, I don't have time. Basically, whenever you throw any so-called good habit at somebody, they'll have an excuse for themselves. Usually, the most common is, I don't have time. I don't have time is just another way of saying it's not a priority. What you, what, you, what you really have to do is say whether it's a priority or not. If something is your number one priority, then you will do it. That's just the way life works. If you've got a fuzzy basket of 10 or 15 different priorities, you're going to end up getting none of them done. Now, once again, when I read this, I have another book to pull from, which validates and vouches for the statement that Naval Ravikant just said. In the book, The 5 a.m. Club, written by Robin Schwarma, another high caliber individual, I did an episode of his book a few episodes back. You can find that in my podcast catalog. It's called The 5 a.m. Club. Now, right here, Naval, he writes, uh, The daily morning workout, that has been a complete game changer. So if it has been a complete game changer for this high caliber individual, Naval Ravikant, and it has been a complete game changer for Robin Sharma to where he wrote an entire book based upon waking up at 5 a.m. If it's going to work for those guys, what do you think it's going to do for you? If you are in a place of stagnation and you're not experiencing too much growth and you're frustrated over the same old, same old, and you seem like you can't get a break and things aren't going your way, you're 
going to have to change things up. You're going to have to do some things that you've never done. You're going to have to take on some new information and you're going to have to put that information that you just recently gained into action. And everything that you start out doing is hard at first, messy in the middle, and then beautiful in the end. Carl Jung, the the philosopher and psychologist, he says that the fool is the precursor to the savior. And now what that means is that we all have to be willingly to take on new knowledge where we are going to be be the rookie. We're going to be fumbling through a new task until the ment- mental grooves and the mental pathways are carved in our minds to where we're no longer moving foolish, foolishly. We are gaining a rhythm and we're learning the beat hey, and now now we're now we're dancing now we're moving to the rhythms of life and what was hard at first hey now we're looking good out there on the dance floor now we're making moves now we're making gains and once you understand the fundamental the fundamentals and the principles hey now you're making up your own dance moves that's what it's all about learning the basics, learning the rules, implementing the fundamentals, and then using them to manifest your own truest form of self-expression. You don't need to wake up at 5 a.m. There's nothing special about 5 a.m. The point is, is that you need to get in something early before your workday starts. Now, not everyone has the luxury of waking up at that prescribed 5 a.m., but the the underlying message is, hey, we need to wake up a little bit early and devote one hour to our overall well-being, to our intellectual development, to our spiritual development, to our physical development, and one of the many ways that I do that in the morning, some of the routines that I have made for myself is, hey, I, I wake up super early on my own. I don't have to set a alarm. I'm one of those guys. I wake up early on my own. And the first thing that I do, I throw some water on my face. I brush my teeth and then I go stretch. I stretch for about 10, 12, maybe 15 minutes. Just activate my body and go through some some mental mantras of you know thinking thinking thoughts of gratitude and appreciation trying to visualize my day and then I just activate my body by stretching it and then I do a little bit of breath work to where I'm just really being being in the present mind like right then and there I'm just present and if any thoughts come in my mind during that that breath work, I just try to clear them, sweep them to the side, and just be present. And that takes focus. That takes being present. It takes being mentally aware. And when you can do that, hey, then you can be more in control of, of, of your thoughts. You can be more in control of how you act. And then another thing that I do is I I journal. Man, there are copious amounts of great men and women 
from the past and the future. And they all journal. You have to be able to get clarity on your thoughts. And one of the ways that you do that is by journaling. You may think that you have mental clarity to a certain extent, but when you open up your, your journal, a blank piece of paper, whether it's on a, on a piece of paper or a computer screen, if you look at your journal and you can't figure out something to write, then hey, you know, there there's a little bit of a weakness right there. You need to gain some clarity on your thoughts and, and organize them. And one of the ways that I'm able to best describe the benefits that journaling helped me with is take this for example. I felt that my thoughts in my head, they were just all jumbled up. They were just completely tangled. I, I tend to think very fast and I want to be able to just express all the words all at one time. I just want to like vomit up words like bleh. Do you get that? Bleh. Because my mind works very fast, but with journaling and writing, you have to slowly write down every single word, every single letter, punctuation, all that. It forces your brain to slow down. So before that, my thoughts in my mind, they were equivalent to a tangled up ball of yarn or tangled up fishing line. Just a big knot. I didn't know where one end began and the other one ended. Now when you start to journal, your mind starts to work those thoughts out. Your mind starts to untangle them. Your mind starts to organize itself to where it's like, oh, all right, this is a thought. This is a coherent thought. This is how I think. This is what I feel. This is my highest thoughts. And man, when you can get there, you can't buy that. You cannot buy that. That takes time and effort. It takes time and effort in solitude by yourself. And a lot of people, they don't want to spend that time by themselves because one, they're not going to be instantly gratified because it's going to take work. And you know what? There's a bunch of other things that are going to distract us. But let me ask you this question. What is more important than gaining control of your thoughts and ultimately decluttering your mind? We all know what it feels like to live in a cluttery home or what it feels like to be in a a cluttery garage or have a cluttery desk. You're like, man, where is this? Where is that? I had, you know, it's just chaos. You can't think everything calls to you. And that's the same thing, how it is. That, that's the, that, that's how your mind works. If, if your mind and your thoughts aren't organized, then you're going to feel that same frustration. You're going to feel that same that same, what's the word, disorganization. You're going to not know up from down, left or right. You're just going to be status quo. You're not going to be able to identify the superfluous from the vital and necessary. So spend some time. If you're not journaling, I'm going to encourage you to go out and get a journal and start writing down your highest thoughts. What is the best of you? What does the 
best of you have to say? What are your highest thoughts? Do you do you even know what your highest thoughts are? Because I I didn't I thought that I knew until I challenged myself to identify them and write them down. So that is going to be a challenge that I challenge you with. Try to write down your highest thoughts. And essentially what you're going to discover is your highest thoughts, guess what that is? That's called philosophy. When you start to journal, you will then identify your philosophy. Ultimately, that is the definition of what philosophy is. Philosophy is human's highest form of thought. And over time, the greatest philosophers, their words still ring true. And that's why it's so fascinating how a guy such as Seneca or the Apostle Paul or Marcus Aurelius or even Anne Frank or Booker T. Washington, Frederick Douglass, they took the time to, to identify and write out their highest thoughts. And because they did that, the bells of wisdom and truth that they rang hundreds and thousands of years ago, they still ring and we can hear them today. And that's fascinating. So how cool would it be for you to write down your highest thoughts. And then you know what? You know, there's something trippy that happened to me when I took the time to identify and write down my highest thoughts. And then as I began to read some of these historical figures, and then I was like, you know what? Man, I wrote that down. But that guy said it 2,000 years ago. How weird is that? Or you can be thinking something, feeling something, and not having an eloquent way to articulate it. And then you read something, for example, like from the Apostle Paul. And you're like, man, that guy took the words out of my mouth, but he is an ancient, uncivilized guy living way back in the day. How did that guy articulate a intrinsic feeling that I feel? How does that work? Now, that takes some mind-blowing exploration right there. Hey, you're going to have to look at yourself a little bit deeper. Now you're going to be asking yourself, what have I been doing the whole time? I've been living blind because that wisdom that you just enlighten yourself with, that has been that has been accessible for your whole entire life, but you've been blind to it. Like, for example, back in the day, the Apostle Paul said in the Bible that he does the things that he knows that he shouldn't do and doesn't do the things that he knows he should do. And I was like, man, he said that thousands of years ago. And I have the same thoughts because I know that there's some things, believe it or not, people, your boy Ruby Rube, he's not perfect. And sometimes I do the things that I know I shouldn't. And sometimes I... I don't do the things that I know I should do. And guess who said that? Many, 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 many years ago. Apostle Paul. So man, here I am, a man in the future, connecting with the man that lived thousands of years ago. And guess what, people? 
I'm not the only one who is connected with that guy. And guess what, people? When I'm dead and gone, and other people occupy my home and my town and my city and this world, and I'm, uh, and I'm dust, the people in the future, they're going to have the same thoughts. They're going to have the same feelings. And so that trips me out. That blows my mind. Man, I don't even know how I got talking on that. This damn almanac of Naval Ravikant. See, and you know what? This is what books does for you. It gets you to think. It, it replaces your lower, ambitious, unsophis- unsophisticated thoughts with higher caliber, more sophisticated higher intellectual thoughts now think about the type of thoughts that you will have if you are just online all day on foos gone wild and you're just watching people doing a bunch of dumb cholo stuff no offense to any of the cholos out there but you see them drinking OE you see them drinking their, their blunts you see them fighting you see them just doing all types of self-sabotaging behavior guess what you are slowly brainwashing yourself to take on those thoughts to where you're like hey you know what i'm gonna go out and buy some oe i'm gonna go out and smoke these blunts i'm gonna go out and do this i'm gonna go out and do that those are the thoughts that are gonna be swirling around in your head you're gonna be thinking like hey these guys do it I'm like them, so this is just what we do. This is what my culture does. That's how it works. That is how our minds work. So you can either do the things that give you that instant gratification dopamine hit, such as going out and drinking some beer and getting high. Yeah, all that stuff, it's all going to feel great in the present, in the moment. But once that high inevitably comes down and that intoxicating feeling pulls you down a little bit lower than where you currently were, hey, then that is a step in the wrong direction. That'll do it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in, listening. If you like what you heard, give me a, a like, a subscribe. And a follow. Until next time, it's onward. Always onward.